0: Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. As a great man once said, if you are tired, fuck you. It's crunch time at the top of the Premier League, baby. With this, the week City season could really start to kick off. We'll round off our Aston Villa preview before looking ahead to the big one tomorrow night. It's Tuesday, the 14th of January. Happy Valentines, everyone. I'm Amos Murphy.
2: I'm Adam Booker.
3: I'm Ollie McCool.
0: And this is the City Report podcast.
1: Where are you going, from? Yeah. This going,
3: Unbelievable. Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6, it's 2 for Dzeko. Tottenham Hotspur 3, Manchester City 4.
1: They have made the impossible possible.
0: Adam, um, happy Valentine's first and foremost. My true love.
2: Any plans? Uh I don't have any plans, my love. Um, I have a full day of work. Laura has a full day of work. Maybe we'll, you know, eat a dinner, watch the Sopranos or something like we normally do on a on a Tuesday night. Um but at the moment no plans. We're not we're not uh, a Valentine's E couple.
0: Neither. Neither. It's a sham. It's, I, I See the thing It's a Hallmark do what you want. holiday
2: Yeah,
0: yeah I yeah. don't know why you need a day to, to show your love for someone It screams toxic relationships It's,
2: it's made this. for It's made for the men who don't show their love 364 <laughs> days out of the year Hmm, mm. are you one of those men? If you no. feel personally offended by that <laughs> Have a look in the mirror <laughs> No, no I, I mean I'm absolutely
3: not one of, I'm absolutely not one of those people But I'm um, Yeah, it's just one of those kind of ridiculous holidays that serves to, you know, push up profit lines and nothing else really. So I'm going to be watching. I'm going to be watching, you know, some absolute crap on TV and you know, ignoring the whole concept of it. I think
0: (laughs) on next week's episode, we've got Shea Guevara and Karl Marx (laughs) to talk about economic policy. Anyway, let's let's refocus uh, before everybody switches off. Um, Adam. Uh I was on yesterday's show with Andrew and with Oli Kirsch, who made a fantastic return. We spoke about Villa, so I'm gonna I'm gonna literally straight away pass the microphone, not literally, metaphorically, because we've all got our own mics, over to you to talk us through your you maybe not like exactly your thoughts yesterday on the occasion, blah blah blah. In terms of the football itself, what did you make of that city performance?
2: Yeah, I mean to be honest, it kind of if I had a checklist of things I wanted accomplished going into that game, it probably checked off about 95% of them. Um, You got some of the big hitters back into the team that we've been calling for. Um, I think this is a a perfect panel today because it was us three on the Villa preview and we kind of outlined, you know, what we wanted to see. And, and some of those things were Diaz and Laporte getting back in the team. We got both of those Phil Foden getting back into the team. We got a substitute appearance from him. Um, the buzzword I was using on on the last Thursday show was intent, and I thought the intent from the team was good and positive. There was more balls in behind towards Holland. There was balls over the top. There was the big diagonal switches to players like Grealish, and was it Marez on the yeah Mara's on the other wing? Um, a large part of that comes from Laporte being back in the team because he is the master of diagonal passes and um, using one pass to play out of a press. So. Um, it kind of checked a lot of boxes in terms of what we wanted to see from city on the pitch. And like you mentioned, you know, not, don't say anything about what the occasion, but that was a big part of it was the atmosphere at the Etihad was on fire, just a complete and total rejuvenation of the club, every aspect of the club from the board all the way down to the fans. Um, it felt like a very, very, very momentous day this season.
0: I think there's been a few this this last few weeks where I've looked back and gone should City do anything at the end of the season it's because of that you know Tottenham at home is one of those games where you think this could be the start of something it wasn't uh, Chelsea away was a, another one and I mentioned that before Ollie, that that however supersedes uh, sorry the Villa game supersedes all of them for me and if City cannot capitalize on that then call the line under the season because it's just not meant to be not not in the sense of like you know give up don't lo- lose hope etc but it, it just won't happen if it can't happen after that and I think you know there's been plenty of players who have mentioned uh, in in their comments about the atmosphere about the crowd and, and saying you know that needs to come every single week and it's absolutely spot on isn't it that has to be the benchmark for not only the supporters but the players as well the management team everyone involved that has to be what we see going forward
3: Yeah absolutely I mean the fans were brilliant yesterday it was you know like a, like a a like a bit of an old school you know City game where they know backs are against the wall here and we've Really got to, you know, go forward and take and take and take this game by the scruff of the neck. And you know, from City right from minute one, you know, they took the- they took the game by the scruff of the neck, and they delivered. You know, the first half was one of the best first halves I've seen. It's probably the best first half of football I've seen from City since the derby um, mm. in October. Um, you know, it was. <laughs> oh, you
0: meant the Old Trafford what no, I was going to oh, say DME. Okay.
3: <laughs> No, I mean it was it was the it was the best half of football I can remember from City since that game, since that momentous day at the Etihad when we beat them six three, um, and you know there's and there was all the stats coming up before the game. You know, City had beaten Villa twelve times in a row. It was you know various landmark appearances for some of the guys in the squad. I think Carl Walker's hundred fiftieth, and those are the type of games where City tend to you know make a mess of it just by some. Designed, you know. There's always a reason why mm. they don't perform on those days, but they did yesterday. Second half came, and you know the game was won. You know, which is what we, which is what we're used to seeing from City, and you know, City did. You know, it was like we saw in the Champions League earlier in the season. Harlem plays 45 minutes, comes off, mm. Alphas comes on, and has a bit of fun. Um, You know, second half. You know, you can you can talk about the goal that Villa got, but who cares? Who cares? City had won the game. It's not about you know continuing and being aggressive and top, top, top. For ninety minutes, when you've got Arsenal on Wednesday, which is a big, big game, um, mm. so you know it's just it was what we wanted to see from City. It was what we wanted to see from the fans. Um, you know, the stadium hasn't been that good probably since the last time they played Villa on the last yeah. Of the season. Um, yeah,
0: good, good shout, good shout, um, Adam. Do, do, do you agree with that? Because uh, Oli Kirsch said this yesterday. I labelled. I can't remember what word I used, but I said that the, the dro- there was a drop-off in the second half. And I think that's, you know, everyone would admit there was there was definitely a drop-off. I agreed somewhat in the sense that it didn't matter because ultimately at the end of the day, see, I had a free goal cushion. It, it, it's only natural. However, there was still a bit of me going, hmm, I, I, given the way the first half went, I think it would have been great to maybe get another couple of goals. If you concede, you concede, you know, I'm, I, I'm not... Gotta come on here and start slating Edison for letting a goal in because he he made two at least two very good saves after it. But I just thought it, it's something we've seen before from City in too many occasions this season where they just they just have these like five, 10, 15 minute flurries of of a bit chaotic madness and not in the sense of you know the fast flowing football going the opposite way. It's like where where the defense just looks completely at six and sevens did we were you overly concerned with the way city reacted in that second half or is it a case of 3-0 advantage whatever happened happened as long as the result sort of stayed the same
2: no not really um I thought it was vintage city in the sense that they blitz a team in the first half take a a healthy lead into the dressing room and then um you kind of already start looking ahead to what's down the line and you you know, you come out and for 45 minutes you pass around in a circle. I think that's, you know, kind of what we've always done. And, and the great city teams did that. Um, where any sort of concern comes in is the fact, like you said, they were just a bit more vulnerable on the counter from Villa. Um, you know, I think there's a myriad of factors that lead into that, like Diaz coming off for a kanji. I don't think a kanji really thrives in a back three, mm. um, especially a back three that, you know, one. If Bernardo Silva is your cover on one side dropping in and, and you know, that worked, it was tactical genius, but when Villa kind of had a bit more of an attacking thrust, it left us a bit more vulnerable. Um And, you know, you said it would have been nice to have a couple more goals. Well, there probably should have been a couple more goals. Um, You know, Mares had the one that he, he skied um, Alvarez had a couple of chances. And I think in all honesty, city probably should have had more than a three goal lead going into the break. Anyways, there was a couple you know, you think of that magical De Bruyne run that Grealish had his shot just tipped around the the post. Um, De Bruyne had a couple of crosses into the box for Holland that were they, you know, three or four inches to the other side of a defender. It's it's four or five nil at halftime. So no, I'm not Gundogan's really concerned as well. about I,
0: it. We did we didn't mention that on on yesterday's show. Gundwan had a goal ruled out, which for me, I yeah. don't know if it's blue tinted glasses, but it was it was a very soft, very soft refereeing decision.
2: Yeah, I mean, statistically, it shows how dominant City were because they finished that game with just under four expected goals. And -hmm. that was the first time that they'd had more than three since Leeds in December. So it was the first time in in the calendar year 2023 that they'd had more than three. And most of them were between 1 and 1.5 or less in, in this year. So I think the improvement was remarkable. And I don't really have too many negatives to take from that game. I think it was the exact, it was never going to be from zero to a hundred overnight back to peak city. And I think Mm. that that was as large of a step as you can take in one go
0: yeah yeah that that's fair you I'm, I'm being hypocritical i'm being very hypocritical and and I think you know perhaps had Villa scored one or two more, there may have been more more people saying well there obviously would have been more people saying that i'm i'm just I'm at a stage now where I'm like until city prove otherwise I'm always going to have that tiny little bit of doubt which is which is a shame i suppose but it's it's been the case this season um Ollie I wanted to read a stat from him because he he's been the name Or these two players of Really been the name on on everyone's lips. We mentioned it ourselves in the preview. It was mentioned in the immediate uh, review. So uh, again, reminder if you haven't already, you can go back and, to, and listen to that one as well. But um from up to Joe, Man City have won 15 of their last 17 games in the Premier League when Ruben Diaz and Aymeric Laporte have both started. Drawn one, lost the other. They've picked up 46 of the 51 available points. Now. I think at the start of the season when Akanji came in and he was great, there was a lot of chat saying you can pick any two or three of the Man City centre-backs and they're going to be good because everyone's of a cinema quality, blah, blah, blah. Are we at a stage now where we can definitively say Ruben Diaz, Laporte, probably John Stones as well, but obviously his fitness concerns are an issue. That's Man City's best centre-back partnership and it has to play every consequential game, in inverted commas, from here on in.
3: Yeah, I mean, two of those three for me. I think you can pair any of those, you know, Stone, Diaz and mm-hmm. Laporte, anywhere you like, and it'll be a brilliant partnership. Because, you know, with, with Diaz and Laporte, you get the right left foot combination. You get the kind of technical pass out the back defender, can do the diagonal switches. And you've got Ruben Diaz, who's a little bit more traditional, but still has enough quality on the ball to bring the ball out of defence. Uh, and then you've got John Stones, who's a complete package, if it wasn't for, you know, a dodgy hamstring um which is a real shame because i think you know some of his performances this season have been so complete but seeing ruben diaz back in a city shirt on the pitch for 90 minutes uh, well for 45 here but you know starting the game Mm -hmm. is you know it's the most it's so important for city to have him because he just brings so much of the intangibles and you know all the kind of the little stuff you know Mm -hmm. that You know, you know. Remember his first season; he was high fiving everyone for a good tackle. He just brings that. He just lifts that back line up, no matter no matter who's Mm. in it. Um, You know, whether he's you know got got an armband on or not, he is kind of the spiritual leader of our team in a way. In that sense, you know, not unlike you know the great Vincent Company. Um, But you you know, I will always make that comparison because I think Mm. you know he's the most like Vinny in many ways. Um, out of the five we've got at the moment, but you know Stones and Laporte are just um, amazing defenders. So for me, you can pick any of those three for any, you know, as we as we're saying, consequential game. And there's your best choices. Um, you know, if you and if you want to play all three in this system, then I'm sure Pep will probably want to do that at some point anyway.
0: Yeah, yeah, you spot on as you say that. I'm just looking at the clip that was doing the rounds of him making that tackle on Leon Bailey, and and. Speaking of toxic masculinity, a bit Adam, you, you get the sense that uh, Ruben Ruben loves his sort of his gladiator behaviour, doesn't he? Uh, there, there was a moment I mentioned it yesterday where the ball went out of play, Gundogan kicked it out for an injured Villa player, and he was berating his teammate, saying, "Don't do that, don't do that." He's crunching into tackles, he's slapping his chest, and it it, it may for some people be cringy to watch, but I think it's exactly what City have needed at this point.
2: Absolutely. I mean, I, I think back to some of my favorite moments as a football fan and as a city fan. And it's moments like that. You know, you think back to the um the Champions League semifinal against PSG when Zinchenko made that block. I think it was or was it Diaz that made the block? I can't remember. But either way, it was Laporte, Zinchenko, and Diaz just all, you know, pounding each other's chests. And um, you know, one of the highlights of my life was Joe Hart saving a messy penalty and Pablo Zabaleta coming over <laughs> and, and pounding his chest and um, you know, as you're right, it's it's a bit of uh, showmanship, it's a bit of alpha male toxic masculinity, mm. but it's sport. It's it's yeah. needed, you know, to kind of breathe life into you and your teammates. And um, City desperately needed life breathed into them, and and he is a man that that can do that. So, um, yeah, I, I totally agree with Ollie that like like Vince and company, he may not have a massive influence on the game with the ball at his feet. Oh um, but he can still have such a big influence just with his voice and and with his actions and um mm-hmm. I think a team that was lacking a little bit of direction um it's kind of a beacon to look to on on the field when you know you you're not sure what the energy should be or you realize that your energy is is lacking and um yeah it's super beneficial to have him back.
0: Yeah, and and really, really reassuring, actually, post-match Guardiola coming out and saying, you know, it was because of the yellow card and he's not injured ahead of the Arsenal game, which in a beautifully timed segue we will be speaking about in a moment in part two. Welcome back to the City Report podcast, your home for daily Manchester City podcast content and pretty much everything else, uh, nonsense-wise. Um, Oli, straight into it. Erling Haaland went off injured, unlike Ruben Diaz at half-time or, or precautionary with rumours that he could be injured. Yesterday, we saw some lovely photos of the big Nordic bastard training, getting everybody excited ahead of what is possibly, at this point, City's biggest game of the season against uh, against Arsenal tomorrow.
3: Yeah, I mean the amount of times I've been on a podcast with you, and you said biggest game of the season kind of sums up how his <laughs> season has gone in recent weeks. But I will agree, this is this is the big one. You know, this is the game where you want where you want as many plays as possible, and Erling Haaland has that fear factor. You know, he's not like he's not like he's not like other humans. He's not. You know, Premier League strikers. You know, compare them all you want, but he's not like. He's just a monster, and he just adds so much presence. You know, you look at a lineup with Erling Haaland, in, and you and you know, an opposition is worrying. You look at a lineup with Julian Alvarez in, or you know, wh- whatever false nine you you know, Guardiola can, f- can fathom, and you can you get the fear factor of Manchester City, but you don't get that kind of oh shit, he's the kind of the real deal. Mm. So having Haaland, you know, tra- in training, knowing that knowing that uh, substitution was just precautionary, is an amazing feeling. And after, you know, the Villa game was a confidence booster and it's a perfectly timed confidence boost. It's that shot in the arm. It's that, you know, hit of energy and Erling Haaland being back in training and knowing there's hopefully no issue there. You know, touch wood, cross your heart and all that. You know, it's a great, it's a great, great you know, bit of news for City and for City fans.
0: You say that. Now, as my duty as a as a journalistic professional, Adam, He's not done that well against big six teams in the league so far this season. Obviously, I say that in relative terms, considering he got five goal contributions in the in the Manchester derby at home earlier in the season. But hat-trick against United, goal against Spurs. And from what I can tell, that's pretty much his only goal against some of the big six teams. The caveat being City haven't played Arsenal once in the league yet, and they've only played a couple of those teams uh, once as well. But there is an argument in some sectors. Not saying I agree with at all, but there is an argument to say that hurling, hurling—that's an Irish sport. Erling Haaland is great. However, when it comes to these matches so far, he has possibly been a weak link for City. Do you are you able to dispel that in, in your sort of in your usual typical assured fashion?
2: Yeah, I don't think it's his fault. I think it's the general intent of the team that isn't giving him enough service. You know, Holland is a player that is not going to make things happen for himself that often. He does it from time Mm. to time. We saw Mm. it, um, you know, on Sunday when he had that insane burst of speed to collect the ball past Emmy Martinez and did a couple stepovers and played in Gundogan at the back post. And that was magnificent. But at the end of the day, He is a penalty box poacher, and and penalty box poachers rely on service from other people. And if your system is crippling your chances of creating chances in and around the penalty area, then your your striker is going to suffer. So I don't put any blame on him for essentially any of these times that he's quote-unquote gone missing because I think he is the final domino in a long row of dominoes Mm. that have been – you know, kind of out of sorts in this team, starting all the way back at, at at defense. So if they go into this game against Arsenal the way they did against Villa and they look to play the balls over the top, they look to play him in behind, they create more out wide to create overloads and pull balls back from the end, uh, from the touchline or, or from the byline or whatever, and you just give him more service, he's going to be more involved. He's not mm. Phil Foden mm. at false nine that's going to drop in, do stepovers, play in somebody, and then darting into the box. He's going to be waiting there for you to create something for him. And if that chance creation isn't coming, he suffers. So I, I just hesitate to put any blame onto him for those games that he's he's sort of gone missing against big six sides. So if you go into the Arsenal game with an intent to create chances for him, he's he's not going to be missing.
0: I, I completely agree, and I, and I think this this Arsenal game, and we'll move on to it now, is is probably the first of what is probably in the next few weeks going to be a series of big matches. And and I'm going to sound the klaxon straight away. I'm going to put out the uh, the alarm. Um, I've you know follow German football quite closely, and I'll be Leipzig for anyone thinking it's going to be a walkover. Q, a 5-0 win for City, but it's it's going to be a really tough game and that's a a really difficult last-16 tie for City. So, you know, even at this early stage of the season, City are going to have some massive, massive games to come and I think City have to now find a way to perhaps surrender some of the control that Guardiola's been after and we did see that um, against Villa at times, as, as good as City were, just to be able to unleash Ireland a little bit. And um, hopefully it starts at the Emirates Stadium. That siege mentality can continue over there. Because, Oli, I get a feeling Arsenal are going to be up for this. Absolutely. Both the fans, the players, the managers, they've been on a wobble. And we know what... I I, I almost find it's it's not... Fair to say, it's a carbon copy. But with Mikel Arteta, you know the messages that he's relaying are going to be the similar ones to to what Guardiola, Guardiola has done in the in the last few years. With City, obviously, you know because he spent a lot of time together. But they're both good managers. And when when City have had bad runs in the past, particularly in title challenges, you always fear for the team that plays them next. And now Arsenal have gone two matches without a win in the Premier League. You get the feeling that this, from an Arsenal point of view, if I'm an Arsenal fan right now to be honest with you I'm, I'm relishing this City game because I'm thinking at home big crowd biggest game of the season for us um, we don't have a European game for for a couple of weeks as it is and then into the Europa League which can be you can judge how they're going to take that when you get a better pitch of the title race I think they're going to be right up for this
3: yeah, I think I, th- I don't think you're wrong because, you know, this is this is again the game that Arsenal fans and Ars- and the Arsenal, you know, the whole club has been waiting for. They've been waiting for Manchester City because they know this defines how their title challenge is going to go. But you've also got to remember, you know, City were the team that, you know, if you want to call this a wobble for Arsenal, City were the team that started it in the FA Cup. You can go rotate your team all you like. And, you know, you can tell it was at the Etihad so therefore it's not the same as playing at the Emirates. But that, but City City inflicted something on them. You know they 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 got a win when you know Arsenal, you know that you know their fans will say oh we played it we played you know we made six changes it doesn't count as much, but you know it it obviously had some effect on you know their results coming forward because that's three games you know without a win, so you know they they're up for it but I think you know to say they're you know looking forward to playing City, is a bit of naivety and it's you know in title challenge naivety is where City tend to kind of exploit because you know City have been victims of it in the past and you know our first title win you know it was Arsenal that inflicted a very painful defeat that Mm. almost cost us it but you know you know maybe it's a bit of you know some of the intangibles there coming into play but I just think City's experience is just they know how to win these games you know no matter what City know how to win these games you know when they played Liverpool Mm. at the Etihad in eighteen nineteen, you know that famous game at the start of January City had had a pretty torrid December you know, they had they you know, they dropped a fair few points, you know, when they didn't really expect it. and then they turned it on for a game against Liverpool. You know, City have had a pretty torrid January and February. They you know, they got they snapped back in for Villa and now they've got a chance to, you know, let go top of the table. You know, who would have thought that a couple mm. of weeks ago, really? Who'd have thought City would have been go, you know, going in, going in going past and going top of the table this quickly after, you know, especially where we were just a, a week ago after Spurs away
0: so yeah i was gonna say you'd you'd have thought that seven days ago
3: yeah no exactly i don't want to be like the happy-go-lucky optimist and you know just kind of pretend that everything's okay because arsenal are a really really bloody good team and if they win no doubt they will deserve it but frankly city they just know they just know how to win these games and that's why i'll Mm. always have faith in them you know confidence is a different thing but faith is always there with city
0: there you go, Pet. Play that before the game, and you'll be sound. Um, Adam, in the US, do you do you have Deal or No Deal?
2: Uh, yeah, I think so.
0: Did Did you ever watch it? I mean, by that, I'm a
2: Jeopardy man myself, but I I'm pretty sure that we do.
0: You, you right? Okay, so you get the concept of you know you, they have a box and then they sit with the box for the the whole game, and they, then at the end of the day they can they can open it up and throughout that they can swap it for you know what I mean, don't you?
2: Yeah, yeah, sort of. Okay, Enough, so. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so if I was to say to you, in in your box, we've got Arsenal away first, stick with me. The banker could ring you up and say, I'll do you a swap deal to swap it to the Etihad first, but you lose a percentage of the chance of winning. Are you saying yes or no?
2: No, I'd keep it the way it is.
0: You'd keep it the way it is, really, because I, I, I've been thinking for a few, for a few weeks. The one, the one change I'd make to this fixture list um, would be to have Arsenal come to the Etihad first. I just think the one thing going against it at the moment with this game is the fact it's at the Emirates.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I, I think that the idea of it being at the Emirates can be either a negative or a positive because I think with the mood that the two teams are in right now and let's be honest Arsenal are feeling a bit of pressure there's absolutely they may come out in every pre-match interview or whatever whether it's Arteta or Bukayo Saka or whoever it might be may come out and say no we're just focused on doing what we do and taking it game by game there that's bullshit they're feeling the pressure they lose a game to city they lose or they drop points a couple more on the bounce I'm sure that they've seen the scenes at the Etihad where the entire club is now totally rejuvenated and they look a bit like the old city. They're going to be feeling that pressure because the one thing that they don't have that we have in great, great abundance, maybe the most other than Fergie's United, uh, most any Premier League team has ever had is the experience and the confidence, like Ali said, to win these games, to smell that little bit of blood in the water and pounce and take over a title race. So if they, if City go into this game at the Emirates and they play well for the first 15, 20 minutes, they dominate the ball, they have a couple of big chances, maybe they score a goal, but if if they get the Arsenal heads to drop a little bit, I don't think they recover because I think we're already starting to see a little bit of signs of cracking. And And I could be totally wrong. This could be a generationally good arsenal team with generational mm. confidence and ability to you know work themselves out of a out of a pickle but i think with the form chart as it is and the way that the two teams are trending it might be good thing a good thing for city to go into the emirates start well and kind of stink the place out a little bit if you get the crowd to drop their heads a little you get the arsenal players not creating tons of chances they're bunkered into their own half a little bit they could, they could, I'm not saying they will, they could totally collapse because they've never been mm. here before. They don't know how to deal with this. They have no idea mm. how to deal with this situation. I've been saying all throughout this season that, yeah, Arsenal look really good, but when uh, the real test will be micro moments. It will be a 30-minute spell in a game in April where they don't play particularly well. How do they respond? And this is that first big test where mm. you feel the jeopardy because up until this point there's not even really a point to look at the Premier League table but now you're looking at the table and you're thinking every 15 20 minutes when you know the scoreline changes you're refreshing the table and looking at the live standings again it's a it's a completely added pressure and this young Arsenal team has never dealt with it before and i think that is a, a undeniable edge for city
0: mm, i mean i guess One, one sec, you, i'm just going to say i guess that the the Counter argument to that, and and I mean, you can say this if you want, Ollie. But the counter argument to that is that Arsenal or whoever's going to win the title, City, at one point in this, they have to win it somewhere. And the opposite to that is that City, as we've known multiple times this season through media leaks and briefings, it's so hard to motivate the same group of players a number of years, and, and and so on. And I think you know, this you're right, Adam. This is this for me. We we discuss the title race with absolute certainty as a as a quote unquote title race after this match. That's where I'm at with it. I don't know about you Ollie because I just think the way the way Arsenal how we see Arsenal in this game, how we see City in this game is going to be a fantastic judge of character for both sides going forward.
3: Yeah, I I 100% agree. That the point I wanted to quickly bring up is, you know, we saw Arsenal last season, you know, a bit of pressure on them to get into the top 4 and it's a, and that is a microcosm of, you know, hmm. what what a title challenge actually is. You know that, but they they completely folded under pressure, and they and those players who are part of that, which is a most of that squad, they're going to be burned by that. They, you know, and that will either inspire them to get revenge and make sure they don't fuck this up, or it will be burning in the back of their heads, thinking, "Remember how we lost it last year? Remember how we lost on the our target last year?" And that and that and as Adam said, that that could be where City pounce. You know, it, it doesn't even need mm. to be a twenty minutes; spell. it could be five minutes. You know, where City just get, where just they just get something and it just it quietens the crowd. And then that could be it. And then that's when City go. But yeah, I mean, you know, I, I agree. I agree. You know, this is where it becomes real. And this is, you know, after this game, it's kind of right. Okay. The two teams that we're all looking at have played each other. We've seen how they measure against each other. And that mm-hmm. is and the, that, and that's the biggest test. And that's why, you know, we love these games. It's why we love the sport. But frankly, you know, I just have faith
0: in them. I just have faith. Mm. It could, I could and, be completely and the wrong. <laughs> that's, I think that's the tagline for today's episode, isn't it? I could be completely wrong. Um, and the moments Arsenal have had so far in the last couple of games against Everton and against Brentford, those moments where you're looking at in, in previous seasons where perhaps City have gone on and found a way to get a point or gone on to find a way to get a goal, and you can say the the VAR, Lee Mason situation is a shambles and, a, and an, an absolute shocker, Obviously, they didn't. They didn't. They, they had the opportunity to score more goals, and they had opportunity to stop that from going in. So, uh, six of one, half a dozen of the other, etc. But they, they failed in those moments. And as I say that, I'm convinced myself more and more that City are going to be they're going to be rampant and they're going to go to the Emirates and get a win, which probably probably tells the listeners where you should put your money. If I'm feeling confident, um, right? Okay, that'll do for today's show. We'll be back tomorrow with some more Arsenal preview content. Until then, Adam, thank you very much. Thank you. Ollie, thank you very much. Thank you very much. And a big thank you, as always, from me. Until next time, we'll see you later.